The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, people. I'm not going to start by yelling. I know for some of you it's early. Last week I got an email from somebody who said, you know, Saturday morning, could we just kind of ease into it? Do you have to come into Saturday morning all hooting and hollering because you've already had one or two cups of tea? So Saturday, I'm just going to kind of like that, that alarm that goes slowly from quiet to louder and louder. I'm just going to slowly ramp it up this morning. Happy Saturday. How are you? Welcome to the Blaze Radio Network and the all-new day of programming. One of the great things about working at this place is uh, we get the opportunity to do things virtually every single day. There's seven days a week on the Blaze Radio Network, and I, fortunate enough, blessed enough, lucky enough to work Monday through Friday, noon to three, and then get to be here Saturday morning. And I do appreciate it because I feel a kinship, a connection to this audience. And uh, I'd love to be here for you to talk to you about what's going on today and, and some stuff you may have missed. We might as well deal with it if you haven't turned on the news channels. Uh, it's nighttime in Japan and Korea and North Korea. Although it's a half hour later in North Korea, just because that idiot changed the time. Yeah, I want to be 30 minutes ahead of everyone else. But Japan, Japan is announcing to the world today that they are deploying their missile defense systems. And letting everybody know that uh, we will take necessary measures, whatever that is. So I, I do know that um, emergency supply companies appear to be doing very well these days, as are the people who are selling uh, kits to uh, put a bomb shelter in the backyard. And I'm guessing a lot of those are in, in uh, California and maybe on the West, all, all up and down the West Coast, Washington. And I have to get this pronunciation right. By the way, speaking of emails from you guys, I have had trouble getting the correct pronunciation of that state where Portland is. You know the one. The state near Washington that also is home to Portland. Not talking about Maine, not that one. I'm talking about the state near California and Washington. Martin, are you with me this morning? Can you pop up your microphone this morning? Oh, or no, no, you can, you, um, Robert, you can jump on too. Robert in Dallas, Robert and Martin are in Dallas. Robert, are, are you, um, have you ever been out west? Now I lost him. No, actually, uh, actually, yes. I've been uh, to California one, a couple of times and been uh, to Seattle during my honeymoon last year. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations on last year's honeymoon. Thank you. Uh, 
That's always good. And I hope you guys are happy and, and healthy and all that stuff. Well, th- there's a state out there in that same neighborhood. Uh, begins with an O. How do we pronounce that state? I pronounce it Oregon. Okay. I, I've, I know I've probably said Oregon at times, but I got an email from Maurice yesterday saying, several times I've heard you either debating or asking for help to correctly pronounce the name of my home state. It's, and he put this in, in the quotes and all caps, O-R-Y-G-U-N. Is that Oregon? Oregon? Uh, Oregon, yeah. I know there's a gun at the end, which also always makes me happy. I just want you to know, folks out there in, in that state, a state I regularly mock some of the progressives who live there, but I'm really pleased you are listening and appreciate the fact that you're trying to help me because I am just a very flawed man. So, uh, Oregon. Oregon. So, you people in Oregon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Stand down the missiles until Martin's on the phones this morning. By the way, if anyone wants to correct me on anything I get wrong this morning, the phone lines are open. Uh, Anything and everything can be corrected. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Now, as we talk about survival supplies and bunkers, that are being sold now at great numbers. I, I wonder how tensions are in Guam, especially when I heard Donald Trump tell the governor of Guam, tourism's going to go up tenfold on your island. The governor also told his people that the president assured him that Guam is safe. Now, I know the military base in, in Guam is, uh, what is it, MacArthur? is um, on alert and they've got their bombers ready and all their fighter jets ready. I just, I hope we don't have to get there. And based on what we talked about yesterday, despite the continued rhetoric that you're hearing back and forth from North Korea and from the White House, I really think this, this little fat guy in North Korea isn't, isn't going to do anything stupid. Or let's just say he's not going to do anything dumber than he's done before. I don't think he's going to fire a nuclear missile at anybody. He's going to continue testing. But I really think this is uh, China's working behind the scenes. I think So I'm not going to go too heavily on that topic this morning. I'm not going to spend too much time diving into the panic and fear that's associated with this. Because, frankly, there are too many other crazy things we have to talk about today. There's too many other um, important things we have to talk about today. Like what, you're saying, Mike? What could be more important than the fact that a a nuclear-armed crazy fat kid in North Korea is threatening the safety and security in the entire free world? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what we have to go after. There, there are so many important things. We have to point out. We have to point out that uh, that parents, parents are just. I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, parents. You need to stand up and tell schools that this is stupid. 
and correct me if I'm wrong on this one too. This comes out of out of uh, Sarasota, Florida. Hello, Florida. Hello, state that gives us probably the greatest number of dumb stories each and every week. Thank you, Florida. A letter went home to parents in Sarasota, Florida. A letter from the school as we get ready to start the school year. The school's principal is saying, I, I didn't know about this letter. And I'm kind of nervous about it. But the Parent Student Teacher Association has raised their hand and they're blaming it on a clerical error. The form went into a, an orientation packet and uh, the school is now saying, oh no, that's not going to happen in the future. We're not, we're not going to see that in the future. We're, we're very sorry about it. You're thinking, what? Because remember, last, last week we also saw a story about a school district, a school district that um, put out an orientation packet that said American flags were not allowed to be worn. Remember that? Remember that story? And then when parents raised their hands and went, what the hell are you doing? That the, um, the school said, no, that was a mistake. We meant American flags can be worn if they are respectfully displayed. That was a mistake. I'm sorry. That never should have gone out. Well, now, the sort of the same answer is happening here. As a school in Sarasota, Florida, sent out a note in the orientation packet that said um, kids could go to the front of the lunch line in the cafeteria if they paid more money. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What are you saying to me? Rich kids get to eat before everybody else? Wow, what a concept. Gee, I wonder where we learned this. I wonder where we learned this concept that you can buy a place closer to the front of the line or maybe at the very front of the line. Well, I know we learned it in, in the airline industry, right? Because you can actually pay to get on the plane first. And I'll raise my hand and say, I have done that because I refuse to fight over access to the overhead bin above my head yes i've paid to get the priority boarding just because if i'm sitting in row 14 and everyone else has gotten on board ahead of me and stuffed the overhead bins it makes no sense for me to have to go back to row 60 i know there aren't any row 60s to row 30 to put my bag so that when we land, I'll have to go all the way back to row 30 and then go back up to exit. They're not going to allow that. It's just stupid. But the airlines have found a way to monetize that. And I guess that's okay because, you know what? That's a free market solution to a problem. But a school, a school is not necessarily a free market unless it's a private school. This appears to be a public school. In the, in the other example where I think kids may have seen this happen and somehow this became a suggestion to the school board, you know you can buy a pass 
at theme parks like Disney that lets you get ahead of everyone else. So kids know this concept exists, that you can pay. But again, a theme park like Disney or, or Water Whatever or Six Flags, all of those theme parks, if any of them offer the priority pass, it's kind of like an easy pass for the rides. That's a, that's a private company offering a solution, offering a premium service. And as a, as a libertarian, I don't have a problem with that. I do think that lunchtime in the school cafeteria and selling access to the front of the line at a public school is a little bit over the top. Am I, am I wrong here? Am I missing the boat here? You know, as a kid who never, ever, until I went to college, who never used the cafeteria other than to sit at the table and open up my lunch that we packed from home. We always brought lunch from home. The only time you ever used the cafeteria line at school, in uh, high school, because there wasn't one in grammar school, no cafeteria at Our Lady of Perpetual Help. As a matter of fact, in grammar school, we ate lunch at our desks in our classrooms before being turned loose on the playground like a bunch of banshees. But I never used the cafeteria. For my mom, it didn't make sense. There, we, we weren't those people who had money to spend at the cafeteria. We were the people who were smart and made our lunches and brought them to school. So this, this letter from the, from the school <laughs> telling parents your kids can cut the line if you'll just pony it. What's next? What else are we selling? Schools? The form, again, was accidentally, air quotes, accidentally put in the orientation packet and uh, will not be there in the future. That doesn't mean they're, they're not going to find a way to make that happen. But uh, Brian Andrews, welcome to the 2017-2018 school year. <laughs> Florida, we're looking forward to a lot more from you. Good morning, everybody. It's Saturday morning. The world's still here. Everyone's still talking and threatening, but we're still here. And we'll be right back in Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. We just heard a little promo for uh, Mr. Slater. He is such a, what a wonderful guy. If you have not listened to uh, Mike Slater on this radio network in the afternoons on Saturdays, I ask you to sample him. He's a, he's a really good dude. And he was talking about Tesla, which I'm excited about because uh, over a year ago when they announced the Model 3, the $35,000 Tesla for the people, as it were, I sprinted to my Tesla store, whipped out my credit card, and put down a deposit on one of those because 
uh, I knew it would be two years before they show up. I knew it would be a while, and I could, I could slowly put some shekels aside and then work on convincing the vice president of finance here at the state of Opelka that we need a plug-in car. We need this fabulous four-door people's sedan rocket ship known as the Tesla 3. And uh, happy to announce that uh, not the big Tesla, not the $100,000 one. No, we can't afford that. But happy to announce that I did get a notice from uh, Mr. Musk, Mr. Elon Musk, that in fact they're, they're offering... They're offering uh, the, the Model 3 to the people who signed up early, and it could be as soon as, as, soon as November of this year or maybe January. But the, the deal is t- Musk is selling first to employees, which I think is kind of a cool thing. That's going to allow uh, Elon Musk and the Tesla engineers to keep all of the the early bugs within the company and they'll have a a quicker response from the people and for the people so in other words if you're a worker at Tesla and you get one of the Tesla 3s and and in the first week you go you know I'm having trouble you can get right in line and get it fixed and then they can go to the production end of things and make things better and then the second level of people who will get a a shot at purchasing the Tesla 3, which I do consider, I agree with whoever made the characterization, it's going to be the iPhone of automobiles. It's the game changer. It's the bit of high tech that's now going to be accessible to everybody. And so the the second, first it's employees, then the second stage who will have access to the Tesla 3 on a priority level are going to be people who own the Tesla S. That's the $100,000 big ship that really, that's the rocket ship. So that makes sense to me. You go to your loyal customer base, the people who were there for you at the beginning, and you offer them access to the car. And then the next stage, so I'm in step three. I'm in stage three. I'm third in the line of priority, the people who signed up. And I know I signed up on day one. I I did so in New York City. So I know I'm in that early group. And one of the reasons I'm excited and happy to do it is if you are among the first 250,000 or 300,000 purchasers of a Tesla, you get a special government-inspired tax credit where you're going to get $7,500 off the price of the car. Which to me is, it's the government incentivizing uh, this kind of green technology. And I'm all for that. That's, That's sponsoring innovation. But you notice it expires. There are thresholds to this. So if anybody says Tesla's got a lot of government assistance... Once you're up on your feet, the government says, okay, do it yourself. Don't you think we should do that for other kinds of government assistance? We'll discuss. Come on back. You're 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. With Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Phone lines are open, 888-900-3393. Working on a vital question for the day today, as there are things we have to get to, many topics to cover today. And don't worry, we're keeping our eye on everything over in the, the Pacific Rim, as it were. Nothing different this morning than happened last night. Nothing to worry about, nothing to fret about. And uh, we will proceed apace. But before we went away, we were talking about, I was talking about uh, Tesla and the Tesla Motor Company and the fact that uh, I'm a supporter, I'm a fanboy, I've driven every model Tesla on the road today. I haven't driven the three because it hasn't been in the showroom yet. But I drove the little two-seater, drove the SUV, the X, and I've driven the S in several different incarnations. And I'm convinced that it's, a, it's going to be a good car. I'm convinced that the, the way to go is, is the electric car. Even though I do love the car I drive now. I drive a, a, a fairly sophisticated, fairly snooty BMW. And it's a great car, but I, I'm fascinated by it and I want this car. Now, I was mentioning that if, if I'm fortunate enough to be one of the early recipients able to purchase the car, I will also be the recipient of government assistance. And I think that that is something that's A, legal, B, inspires businesses, but C, also should be limited. In other words, if you're starting up this, if the government wants us to get off fossil fuels, which I understand, the internal combustion engine has been around for a century or more, actually. And if we can develop a, a way to, to have a, a better way to power automobiles that's a little bit cleaner, why shouldn't we? Why can't we? So I'm all for it. However, once you're up on your feet and rolling, the government needs to say, okay, stand and, and run on your own two feet. And so that's why in the, uh, in the world of electric cars, the government has put a limit on it. Kind of the way we, we should, as Franklin used to say, you know, make make uh, government assistance, make poverty painful so people will want to work themselves out of it. And, and so if you, you incentivize the, the early purchases of these cars and get enough of them on the road, that helps the company develop the car, which helps develop the market, which ultimately drives the price down. So the early support from the government will probably help lower the price on the Teslas, I, I believe. Is that weird logic? But I'm, I'm all for it. 
and I appreciate the sun setting on on the assistance to help people to get those cars on the road. Because think about it. Those are jobs for the people making those cars. And those cars are, are built here in America. And it's also going to spur on an entirely new industry. An entire new industry that makes the batteries for these cars. When the first Tesla came out, the little two-seater was $114,000. It was fast as a rocket. It was four inches off the ground or something like that. Built on the Lotus platform, the Elise platform. A little bitty car. You had to shoehorn yourself into it. Drove like a dream. And it was so fast. And it was dead silent. Which is also what scared the hell out of me. Because nobody could see you. So you're driving 100 miles an hour on the highway in this little electric two-seater cart and nobody sees you or hears you. So a little nervous about that. I'm all for innovation and government inspiring innovation, but I'm also for government getting the heck out of the way. That This is, a, this is how we've worked forever. But the government's got to get out of the way. Otherwise, you're going to have more restrictions, more involvement. And you know what happens when the government gets involved in making cars. You need to look no further than all those great Soviet and East German cars that populate the world. Oh, wait, they don't. They stink. So I, I'm all for the assistance, but I also want the uh, sun setting on. If you agree, if you disagree, chime in, join the party. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Something going on in Texas that that made me laugh a little bit today. Um, out, outside of Fort Worth, Texas, on uh, Highway One Twenty One, there are billboards that have gone up, and uh, they they've given people uh warnings about things like the zika virus well they're now telling fort worth that you have a uh you have a syphilis tsunami coming to fort worth i did who knew who knew fort worth texas was was ground zero of the upcoming std problem it's part of some big campaign for freestdcheck.org and they're um, this giant billboard saying syphilis tsunami and um, I understand we're trying to make sure that AIDS and other STDs don't have a resurgence but apparently apparently there has been a spike in the area apparently there has been uh, a growth, according to the CDC. Huge growth in, um, sorry for that, uh, in, this, in the cases of syphilis in the United States. So they're talking about it openly, trying to make sure they have a, a uh, giant, jarring message to people. But the weirdest thing about it to me is that it's not, when I was growing up, it was uh, all focused on teenagers and uh, young adults, college age, etc. High school and college age kids. 
and um, they were trying to say, hey, you know, don't, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna mess around, you have to be smart, etc. But now it seems to be seniors, seniors. This apparently is the uh, the largest risk of sexually transmitted infections, the largest uh, group that's increasing the rates of sexually transmitted infections among seniors. So there's a doctor who's rapping about it. Um, and the only thing I can do is I will tweet out a link to this so you can see this doctor for yourself. But... Um, She's talking to 80-year-olds, 80-year-olds here in this fabulous little snippet I'll share with you. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Rap Dr. D's rap intention. Calling out all your fellas and ladies. STDs are tearing through folks in their 80s. Can you really help being sex kittens? Why can't you wear your little love mittens? Gotta be safe, because sex has gotten risky. No shame being a freak and getting a little frisky. Dang, your body's a temple. Even safe's not always so simple. Sex indiscretions lead to depression. No matter how you like it, comes with the best protection. Love it or leave it. One more stuff to flag. Things dry up and your tail can lose that rag. Okay, I gotta stop her right now. She's getting into some physical descriptions. I don't need to say. The video has this doctor who's probably in need of the diet program, Dr. Jorge's on, and she's showing us all these seniors. I don't need to know that grandma's got her groove back. Seriously. I'm just saying, if you would love to see this, I'm going to tweet out a link to it right now. Um, and anyone who's having breakfast right now, I apologize for all the um, mental imagery. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We had a little discussion about Tesla earlier in the day as I'm excited that uh, my Tesla 3 could be here as soon as November or possibly into January. And uh, this always lights up an interesting discussion. Greg is calling from California quite early in the morning in California. I appreciate it, Greg. Welcome to the program and good morning, sir. You. Hey, as much as I usually agree with what you're saying, as much as I like the Tesla cars, i got to call you out on two points. First of all, the government has no business in picking one business over another to give somebody else my money. It is not the government's money. It's my money. Well, hold on. No hold on. Subsidizing other companies. Hold on. Same subsidies offered to every car company. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. But, but no, wait, 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 Greg. Your first point was the government picking one company over another. The government does have the right to offer incentives, but they have to offer them to everybody, and they did. If you buy a Chevy Bolt or Volt, if you buy a Leaf, all of those subsidies are offered to the first, what is it, 250, 300,000 buyers of those cars. So there, you, you can say it's my money. I don't want them 
offering those subsidies, but they didn't pick a winner. They offered it to everybody who would choose it. Okay, I misspoke that one industry over another. The industry being solar-powered cars. What about hydrogen cars? What about hybrid cars? What about cleaner running the gasoline-powered cars? What about uh, very low-emission diesel-powered cars? I mean, there's a lot of other things. But, yeah, it goes back to it's my money. I don't want it redistributed to people for picking one, one thing over another. Well, that's a fair, a fair point. However, uh, that's the choice of the people we elect, and that puts the responsibility back on us to then turn those people out if we don't agree with them. In this case, I, I happen to be a fan of this technology, so I'm, I'm rationalizing and justifying. Now, the other point I, I saw on the call screen that you were going to bring up is that um, where do you think the Tesla, that battery, gets its power? Now, this is a really interesting point, and I believe that's where you were going next, right? Right, because as long as it's so, it, it, unless it's solar, wind, or nuclear, it's not going to be clean power. Right. And so if everybody had one of these battery-powered cars, we would need to bring a lot more power plants online, which would be probably a lot more coal burning or some sort of fossil fuel burning power plants because there's no way we're going to be getting any approval on nuclear and wind and solar just doesn't cut it right now. Well, you bring up another fascinating point, and this goes back to uh, where you buy your power. And and we are, you know, I'm still a fan of the 10th Amendment. I'm still a fan of uh, states deciding their fate. And in the state where you're from, in California, because you do have more solar and wind generated power than say uh oklahoma or delaware might your tesla get a power or your leaf power or your prius power or bolt power would be more environmentally friendly uh more green than mine would be because that generation of power that electricity comes from some of those sources you said wind and solar. Now, I'm a huge fan of nuclear power. I'm a giant. I wished, and I've been, when, when Jackson Brown and all of his buddies were doing their concerts against nuclear power, I was out there saying, you're not getting it. This is the safest, cheapest, cleanest power we have. And I would be a huge proponent for us drifting closer to that. And so I, I, you're, you're right. The, the green element of the Tesla isn't perfect, but I do think it's it's better than what we've got with just the straight up gasoline engines. Now you also brought up uh, clean diesel and blue those blue diesels, those are amazing cars too. But to me, I, I want to make the quantum leap. I'm I'm betting on the quantum leap. And it, well, let's face it, if I had a hundred and eighty thousand dollars sitting around, I didn't check my Mega Millions. I would have jumped on the uh, the uh, Ron Motors car that's a hybrid of battery and hydrogen, and it's it's one of those beautiful cars that probably goes zero to sixty in a second. But uh, I don't have that money lying around just now, so we'll see. I'm up against a hard wall, Greg. Uh, be safe on the road, my friend, and everybody else. Give the truckers a break.
we've got to uh, we've got to wrap up this first hour. How much time do I have, sir? Oh, I got a minute left. Okay, coming up next hour, I want to play for you a wonderful montage from Donald Trump, uh, and uh, maybe we'll play the game. Who said it? Kim Jong Un or Donald Trump? We're gonna have some fun today. It's Saturday morning. It's the Blaze Radio Network, and it is all new, all live. Join the conversation, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. I got to go make another cup of tea. Come on back. With Michael Belka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Good morning, Stunt Brainiacs. Hello, Blaze Radio audience. Welcome to Puro Pelka on this, I hope, beautiful Saturday morning here in the Northeast. But here in Delaware, it's gray and overcast. I'll tell you what, it better not be gray and overcast on the 21st when the eclipse hits. I'll be very upset. But uh, contrary to my wishes and plans, I will not be in Nashville. I will be here in the Delaware, covering the eclipse. And I believe I did some checking on this because you can actually go to a website and plug in your uh, zip code and it will tell you how much of the eclipse you will experience. And I believe here, here in the DE, as we like to say, I'm going to get about 72%, 72, 73% of the eclipse and it will happen right in the last hour of Puro Pelka. So uh, thankfully and hopefully, we'll be able to report to you exactly what's happening as it happens during the eclipse on the 21st from a place where it's going to be considerably different in terms of light. One, I was talking to a, um, a local photographer here in Delaware, a guy who's pretty well-known in this state at least. And he said one of the fascinating things you should keep an eye on during the eclipse is not the sky, but see what the shadows of the trees do during the eclipse. See what happens to the trees and the leaves and how they look on the ground and their shadows. So keep an eye out for that. That's a little hip tip. Also looking over the news this morning as you listen to the news, not much different. The, uh, the governor of Guam is telling the people that the president has assured the residents of that tiny island that they are safe. The president has also reiterated some of his warnings to, to North Korea and to Kim Jong Fatso that he, uh, he better not do anything. And speak, <laughs> speaking of which, I think I have that. 
I have that montage of the president. He had some pretty interesting things to say. Uh, the president, they, they put together a, a, a series of Donald Trump statements on, uh, on things, you know, because he said earlier this week, if, if Kim Jong-un does anything, launches any missiles, he will experience something that the world has never seen before, the likes of which the world has never seen before. The president apparently likes to say that a lot. This is from the guys at Now This News. They will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. We have things that we have never seen before as a group. We have never seen before. Numbers that nobody's seen before. Money like nobody's ever seen before. Funds like nobody's ever seen before. A state dinner like you've never seen before. A bubble like you've never seen before. Airports the likes of which you have never, ever seen before. Perhaps like we've never seen before. Like really nobody has seen before. We have a thing going on that they've never seen before. Like you've never seen before. Like you've never seen before. That nobody's seen before. Beyond anything we've ever seen before. You will see stories. I'm going to let him continue in the background because he, he goes on like this for quite a while, apparently. It might be during the whole show. We'll check back in on Donald Trump a, a little bit later to see if, if he's still going on. This was all throughout last year in the campaign. The president also has the, uh, the media on edge this morning because he made a statement yesterday about Venezuela and that we wouldn't rule out sending troops to Venezuela. I, I wonder what the purpose is for that statement, because this was the president who did say, you know, we're not going to be the world's policemen. Now, we do have to do something in North Korea. But do we have to do something in Venezuela? Aren't there some neighbors down there who could be doing something to help out Venezuela? You got people starving, people, people breaking into zoos to get animals to eat. Is that really our job? After all, we have some other issues to deal with. Some big issues to deal with. You know, issues like the outrage over eyebrow wigs wait what did he just say eyebrow wigs yeah yeah some some uh instagram video of a makeup artist using eyebrow wigs has got people freaking out first of all did you know there were eyebrow wigs was anybody aware there were eyebrow wigs oh my gosh i was not aware now, of course, there are people who have alopecia, people who suffer from uh, a lack of body hair that makes my uh, diminishing hairline look, uh, look like a walk in the park. But um, people got offended at the fact that this makeup artist was putting eyebrow wigs on women for just beauty purposes. Now, one of the critics of this eyebrow wig installation video, I just can't believe I'm saying the phrase eyebrow wigs on the radio. I just think it's, it's probably one of the weirdest things. Who knew eyebrow wigs were a thing? And who is the, I want to know who's the guy making a billion dollars off eyebrow wigs. I suspect that no one's making that kind of money yet. 
But, you know, it's early, I'm sure, in the eyebrow wig business world. <laughs> but in this, in this video where this, uh, this makeup artist shows people, look, here's how you, here's how you put on the eyebrow, the, the eyebrow wigs on people that don't have it. Well, they're saying that you can't do this. People who have alopecia or people who are social justice warriors are, are now saying, stop it. You're culturally appropriating it. It's tasteless and wrong. So wait a minute. You're not allowed to add to your eyebrows? We see people all the time. And what, what if... If it's wrong for a person to put on cosmetic eyebrows, eyebrow wigs, is it wrong to also, are, are they next coming after the people who put on false eyelashes? Because somebody better get a hold of Dolly Parton right now and tell her that the social justice warriors are coming for her next. One of the reactions said, this week in privilege, when you open up a statement saying this week in privilege, Beauty bloggers take eyebrow wigs meant for those with hair loss and make it into a fashion trend. Realize that. Someone actually is upset. Are we running out of eyebrow wigs? Is that really the problem here? Have, have all of the eyebrow wigs been snapped up by those greedy little people who want bigger eyebrows? And they're depriving the folks with alopecia of the access to the eyebrow wigs. I'm just stunned the eyebrow wig is a thing. And for those of you who do not believe that it's a thing, I will send you a link to it. Because it, it is on Instagram. The outrage is palpable. And I think we need to mock these things. I just... How long before we have just entire salons dedicated to eyebrow wigs? <laughs> eyebrow wigs. Now, if you're wondering, could you wear an eyebrow wig? Well, they're typically made from human hair that's sewn into like a little flexible base of transparent lace. And then uh, you put a little glue on the skin and they... Snap it right on there. They last for two to three days. So if, if you want to spend your weekend with uh, some uh, bigger, better eyebrows, just know that you can put them on Friday and they're probably going to last till Monday. And uh, a set of these, you can get them as cheaply as $22 a set. But if you want to go highbrow, see what I did there? Highbrow. You could actually... Spend a hundred dollars. <laughs> eyebrow wigs. Yes, eyebrow wigs. We have white nationalists getting ready to march on Charlottesville, Virginia today after a night of tension and a little bit of violence. And we have people who are worried and angry and upset about eyebrow wigs. It's all about priorities, people. It's all about priorities. Speaking of priorities, I'm taking a break. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We, uh, we finished up talking about the uh, eyebrow wigs, and we'll get that to you. But, you know, let's check back in with uh, President Trump. He was, he was talking about this is this massive montage of how many times he's used the phrase like we've never seen before. Still going, see? Like you've never seen before. Like you've never seen before. Like you've never seen before. Is that true? Never seen before. It's amazing. Never seen before. Never ever. Nobody's ever seen before. Like nobody has This ever is seen like a Springsteen before. concert. He's he's going to just keep going. This is all. These are all individuals. They're not repeating. Yeah, I'm going to hold it right there. We'll come back to that. It's it's going on and on and on. And I understand we all crutch on phrases. I catch myself. That's one of the things radio people actually have this, this promise to each other. If I catch you crutching on a phrase and overusing it, I, I tell you. And same thing. If, if Glenn or Doc or Jeffy hears me using the same phrase over and over again, it behooves us to let the other one know, hey, you know, you're saying this thing over and over and over again. You might want to tone that one down or let lose that one. But the president, somebody needs to tell him. Now, maybe that's his thing. Obama, Obama had it too. Obama used to use, uh, he used to say like, listen, and he would want to punctuate things. So Obama had crutches. They all do. Everybody's got a, a verbal crutch that they use. But this one, like we've never seen before. So, they're, um, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I mentioned the fact that uh, there, there's going to be a, sort of a, a, a dangerous situation going on today in, in South Carolina, or Virginia, I'm sorry. Is it Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, where this... Um, this jack wagon is trying to get a bunch of white nationalists all stirred up. What are we doing? Seriously, people, what are we doing? The, last night, there were clips all over the media of people standing around a statue of Thomas Jefferson chanting, White Lives Matter, White Lives Matter. If, if you're taking part in that group, I have to tell you, you're doing it wrong. Very wrong. If you think that's helping, then uh, you, my friend, are an idiot. And you're, you're helping tear apart this country. It's, it's disturbing enough when, when we have groups out there chanting Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, and getting mad when someone says All Lives Matter. But to try and drive a deeper wedge into the conversation and start chanting white lives matter 
you're just you're you're definitely trying to start trouble so i hope i hope and and actually do pray for cooler heads to prevail today and i hope we don't see uh any there were a couple of arrests last night and a little bit of violence because you know what'll happen this will be the entire narrative going forward on cable news for the rest of the weekend this and north korea that's it we're going to show just just how those white nationalists are and they're all going to paint them with trump supporters they're going to find one or two of them wearing a make america great hat and they're going to put them on tv so you're not helping people not helping at all um you know what uh next hour I think next hour we'll uh, we'll play the game, who said it, Trump or Kim Jong Un, because it's always fun, and then you you might be able to play along too. Uh, also, I I wish if you were planning on going to North Korea and having a you know a nice meal, you know the State Department has said you can't go there anymore, but um, there there is a, a restaurant in North Korea that that people have been apparently visiting and writing reviews for. The restaurant is the Magnolia House restaurant, and it's uh, right there on the banks of the Potong River in Pyongyang, just downstream from the Victorious Fatherland Liberation Museum. And... uh, Let's see, around the corner from the Korean Central History Museum and the Koryo Hotel Pyongyang. So it's a, you can actually walk from the Hotel Pyongyang to the Magnolia House restaurant. And if you, if you want to know uh, just what kind, what kind of food did they have there? Well, I tend to rely on the ratings from the people who may have eaten there before. Because don't you, don't you go to like Yelp? And see what the ratings are for restaurants when you want to try something new. Well, I, I did visit the uh, Google reviews for the Magnolia House restaurant. Let me just share a couple of them with you. Joe Whiskey wrote, I asked my waiter how long he worked there and if he liked his job. Before he had a chance to respond, he was dragged away to a re-education camp along with his extended family. Food was okay, salad was best part, froyo was cursed. Well, I'm sorry about the waiter, but, you know, I, just an okay food review. That's, that's not, not good. Uh, okay, this, this one from Ibrahim Abid. I was kind of hungry after I hadn't eaten for three days. I found this restaurant. It was just a shack with a patch of grass, but there were cows on it, so I was sold. I got inside and ordered myself a nice steak, but the old hag just pushed a menu against me and had no option but to look. There were three dishes, grass salad, grass gourmet, and steamed grass. Now, steamed grass sounds the least disgusting, so I picked that, but oh boy, was I wrong. The woman grabbed a sharp stone and struck it to the cow's belly, and then she started to move it in a seesaw fashion. I was disgusted, but hey, meat is meat. 
So my mouth started to water. However, she didn't kill the cow. She just moved her hand into its belly and took out a handful of grass steaming with stomach. Well, there you go. There you go. Now, uh, Techno Gaming gave it a one-star review and said, on my way to Pyongyang in the Magnolia House, I passed the Sea of Japan, and I'm starting to think that uh, they accidentally called the wrong side of the Yellow Sea, as all the nuclear missiles may have landed there and turned it, well, yellow. Ray Badalich says, I had the Rodman rack of ribs. It was too spicy. Someone else said, look, the view is spectacular. This is from Carissa Fabian. The view is spectacular. I ordered the pickled labor feces, and I loved it. Sadly, I, I needed the great bread leader. There's more here. Brad writes, you must try the kimchi. Seriously, it's the only thing on the menu. I think the mosquito burgers were good, too. Pyongyang and the Magnolia House restaurant. I'll tweet out a link. You decide if You're listening you want to go. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze well, Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Jump on the gun, I am. And it is uh, just after halftime on today's show. Jeff Fisher waiting in the wings. The Jeff Fisher program next on this great radio service, the Blaze Radio. And it's fresh programming. How do you know? Because we're talking about stuff going on today. Yeah, we're going to get to the... Uh, the Dallas Cowboy problem, because I have a question about the NFL I want to address. But we were, we were talking about this, this restaurant in North Korea, the Magnolia House restaurant, just down the road from the Victorious Fatherland Liberation Museum and the display of the USS Pueblo, the ship that they took and captured and used as a display of everything that's wrong with us, the evil evil westerners but uh there are reviews of this restaurant and i <laughs> i want to share with you some of the reviews of the magnolia house restaurant in north korea on the banks of the potong river right there in pyongyang communist food this is from morgan wright only gave it one star just two months ago apparently visited communist food resembles communism it tasted rubbish but I was really put off by the dead orphans in the river. Yeah, that'll kind of ruin the night for me, too. You know, if I'm I'm sitting there on a riverfront restaurant cafe and outside trying to look over the night sky and there's a dead orphan floating by, it's going to kind of ruin the mood. Nevin gave the restaurant five stars, however, saying uh, after his visit three months ago, they have the best edible dirt here. Hmm. Zachary Matthew visited the Magnolia House restaurant in Pyongyang eight months ago and gave it four out of five stars. Had the VIP room, the best service ever. 
Although apparently they don't serve food here, and a blooming onion means something totally different in Korea, just so you know. Scott Scarborough only gave the restaurant two stars, two out of five. But maybe it's because of the the drinks. Uh, Scott said, my Pomeranian filet was a little tough, but my wife loved the beagle chops. Still can't find a good sweet tea in this town. And finally, one star from Mike Smith, who visited the Magnolia House restaurant in Pyongyang a year ago and said, I asked if they had vegan options. It turns out no one spoke English. It also turns out they have not served food in over five years. Well done, people. Well done. Uh, That's the uh, reviews. I'll tweet out a link to that so you can enjoy them yourselves. There are several of them. Now, in, in terms of the rhetoric that we're hearing, and everybody's talking about the rhetoric, and I, I will tell you that aside from all of, the, all of the overreaction by the left-leaning media, I have had more confidence in the Trump administration on how they've handled the North Korean crisis than I've had with anything else they've done, with the exception of the idea to fire the 60 cruise missiles at Syria. I think that what the president and Rex Tillerson and General Mattis have done is nothing short of great political and diplomatic strategy, all wrapped up, and it looks like they're all working in concert. But the, the left-leaning media is having trouble with Donald Trump's statements. And I just think it's all meant to confuse them. It's intentionally being done to get the left-leaning media to pay attention to Donald Trump while Tillerson on the diplomatic side and Mattis on the military side are dealing with this situation. And yes, of course, we have... We have Japan now saying it's going to put up its uh, missile defense system, which I think is fine. Good. Japan should be trying to do something to protect itself. Haven't we coddled you for a long enough time, Japan? But with all the focus on Donald Trump and his statements, they're now asking people who said it. So I want to play the who said it game. Was it Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un? Who said it? We can't let a madman with nuclear weapons on the loose like that. We have a lot of firepower. Who said it? Was it Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un? Who said it? Robert, you want to guess on this one? We can't let a madman with nuclear weapons on the loose like that. We have a lot of firepower. Uh, That was Kim Jong-un referring to Donald Trump. You would be wrong, sir. That was actually Donald Trump saying that. Well, let's uh, let's give you another shot here. Robert's in Dallas, and I did not preview any of this with him because I wanted to see how he could deal with it. The days are gone forever when our enemies could blackmail us with nuclear bombs. The days are gone forever when our enemies could blackmail us with nuclear bombs. Was that Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un? Hmm, President Donald Trump. 
The days are gone forever when our enemies could blackmail us with nuclear bombs. That's Kim Jong-un. Really? Hmm. Isn't this interesting? Yeah. These, are the, these are the actual statements. These are, let, let me go on. We've made other countries rich while the wealth, the strength, and confidence of our country has disappeared over the horizon. Oh, that's got to be Trump. That's absolutely Trump. So you're one for three. Yes. This is, this is a tough, tough test, isn't it? I'll give you one more. Construction is an important front for solidifying the foundation of a thriving country and creating bases for people's happy lives. Oh, that, that's uh, Donald Trump with his uh, infrastructure demands and, and hopes and wishes. That would be Kim Jong-un. Really? Construction See, is an important front for solidifying the foundations of a thriving country and creating bases for people's happy life. Interesting when you break it down. Who said it? Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un? This, this one should be easy, right? This one should be simple. And yet when you listen to it and after seeing that you're one out of four in this test, one out of four that you got correctly, you begin to start doubting yourself. Actually, we should I, raise, just listen to this one. We should raise fierce flames of innovations in the vanguard sectors, basic industrial sectors, and all other sectors of the national economy. See, I'm going Trump on that. But it and could you be, would be wrong. See, exactly. That would be Kim Jong-un. It is so bizarre when you boil it down. And here's my take on this. I believe the president is working on addressing Kim Jong-un directly but indirectly. I believe President Trump's statements are scripted not for, not for the American people, not for the American press, but to both send a message to China and to North Korea. I think what he's doing is, is absolutely intentional and just trying to get a message. He is speaking in the language of this little twit. So uh, I, I, I actually will give the Trump administration credit over this one. I think this is one of the smartest things I've seen them do. Not that they, they haven't done other smart things, but just not a lot for me. I think Trump speaking like Kim Jong-un is intentional. And I think uh, I think anybody who thinks otherwise is short changing and short selling the president, a guy who nobody believed could get to the White House. And yet here he is. Think about it. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. listening to pure opelka on the blaze radio network it's nice to see some of the news networks finally catching up to a story that we've been talking about and asking questions about for the past couple of days and that is the 
the uh, Cuban diplomats we kicked out of the country after some of our diplomats, our personnel at the State Department compound in Havana, were injured by this sonic weapon that Heather Nauert talked about at the State Department three days ago. And this happened weeks ago, weeks and weeks ago. These acoustic attacks that actually took the hearing from one person, sickened others, and we had to actually send people home. My question is, why the hell are we still in Cuba? I know we're trying to undo what Obama started, but Cuba's not a friendly place. And now we have Americans who've been injured by these jack wagons, and it's probably something that was done in concert with the Russians. I, I, I would put good money on it. But thank you now, uh, the mainstream media, for finally starting to pay attention to this story. It's mystifying. It's frustrating. It's irritating. You know, you're, you're busy freaking out over Donald Trump's rhetoric. You're losing your mud over this. When we have actual Americans who have been targeted by Cuba and probably with the assistance of Russia with some kind of acoustic weapon. Why the hell are we in Cuba? Is it just for the cigars? I, I still go back to the fact that Cuba's harboring a cop killer. The woman who was involved in the killing of a New Jersey state trooper who escaped and got to Cuba and has been given asylum and she's she's been on the the most wanted list. We know where she is. She's in Cuba. We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be giving any money to a nation that that harbors cop killers as well as human rights violations the way Cuba has it. I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. So I'm I'm glad the mainstream media has finally caught up on this. By the way, did you know there's um there are jobs opening in uh, London, which is kind of an interesting story. Uh, London has a job open uh, right now for a, um, a gayness inspector. Wait, wh what did Mike just say? Yes, uh, the mayor of London, Mr. Khan, Sadiq Khan, announced that the, they're having a, um, a new job for a gayness inspector. What? What does a gayness inspector do? Fox News reported on it. The city of London has an exciting new job, gayness inspector. And if you've been to London recently, you'll know that's quite a demanding job. Thanks to uh, rising real estate prices and the growing popularity of dating apps, London has lost more than half its gay bars in the past decade. Hmm. So because of rising real estate prices and dating apps, at least that's according to this report, London has lost more than half of its gay bars. I wonder, I wonder what's happened to the other bars. I wonder what's happened to the straight bars. Has there been a similar loss of straight bars? Because dating apps are certainly out there for heterosexual and uh, homosexual activities. They exist. It's no secret. But why is it only the gay bars have closed down? And wh why is it that the rising real estate prices have squeezed out the gay bars and not the straight bars? 
Are you saying that gay people can't afford to live the same? I just, I, I've always seen statements and analysis that says gay households have more disposable income. This report continues. And that, in the eyes of Mayor Sadiq Khan, is a crisis that must be remedied. So mm. the city has announced that a certain commercial development will only be approved if the final plan includes a new gay bar. And Talk about social engineering. Talk about a problem that doesn't exist that's being uh, solved, air quotes, by the government. They put it next to Mayor Khan's favorite mosque, just to add to the vibrancy of diversity. Uh, to make sure this bar isn't just a normal bar, the mayor's office will, according to The Guardian, to send an inspector to make sure it's gay enough. Because don't you hate it when you go to a gay bar and it's just like, you know, sotto voce, it's not really flamboyantly gay? Uh, anyway, what does gay enough for Mayor Khan, uh, London's first Muslim mayor, mean? We're, we're afraid to ask. And so are half the imam in the East End. I wonder. I wonder what's really going to happen. Can you imagine? Look, London is London is a place that many of our progressive friends point to and say we need to be more like them. No, we don't need social engineering that mandates a a commercial development must have a gay bar before the city will allow it to be built. Great job, London. Great job. The free market is the only answer. If there's a market and there's income, it will flourish. We need government to get the hell out of the way. I guess maybe that term, God save the queen, is being taken a little too literally. We'll be right back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is the third hour of Saturday's edition of Pure Opelka, a brand new show. Thank you for being here. We have covered much today, and we still have much to cover before the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Fisher, arrives on the scene. And he will. I understand he's in the building. I don't know what he's up to, but I understand he is in the building. The one, the only, Jeff, he's in the building. And we're all still here. Yesterday, by the way, I tweeted out, Something that I think uh, you might appreciate. And it was the handy-dandy government tips for surviving a nuclear blast. <laughs> I don't think we're going to need them. But uh, you might want to educate yourself and see what the government does offer in terms of advice on being ready for just about anything. Because they've got everything. Zika, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes. And I advocate for being ready. I think you should have food, water, lead, cash, metals, and maybe even an alternate source of energy. Just, just to be able to survive a little bit. 
And um, do you guys remember we talked about being prepared and learning how to be prepared? I grew up in, in Chicago, not exactly a place where everybody goes out camping all the time. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and then my family moved to the near north suburbs. We're kind of like a, a page out of an episode of The Wonder Years. Suburbia at its best. There was no roughing it. If we slept outside, it was either because uh, it was too late to get in and wake mom and we were sleeping in the car, or we were little kids and we slept in a tent outside in the backyard. There was no, no real knowledge. So my education to survival came during some ROTC courses in college where you learned how to deal with life outdoors with minimal creature comforts. And then I followed it up with uh, a television show called Fat Guys in the Woods. And if you haven't seen it, it's out there somewhere. It no longer exists. But it was one of the more eye-opening adventures on television that taught me simple things that you need to know, that you need to have in your quiver, arrows that you need if you're going to survive when it happens. Because it isn't a matter of if... But it is a matter of when. So I do recommend that you educate yourself to how to make fire, how to find water, how to get food, and how to build shelter. If you can get those four skills and put them in your, in your uh, trick bag, you're going to be ready if for anything. And you may never use them. I hope you never do. It's kind of like having, having the firearm. You never want to have to use it. But if you do... You want to be ready. And so I, I am ready. I'm happy to be ready. Just a little bit of uh, me preaching on a Saturday morning. Do you have a small supply, a couple of three days of food and water and maybe medicine and maybe an extra pair of glasses if you need your glasses to read and drive and do things like that? Wouldn't be a bad idea. And you don't have to do it all at once, because I know all of us are saying, yes, there's that survey that says 40% of Americans are a $500 emergency away from not being able to pay their rent. Yeah, we understand that. So do it a little bit at a time. 10 bucks here in the back of the drawer. Add another 10 next week. It's, uh, it does add up. It does make it happen. Just try and be prepared. And if you really want to learn about... Food, water, shelter, and fire, and how to make that happen. Find the old show, Fat Guys in the Woods. Find my buddy, Creek Stewart, and see what he's up to. Because his lessons are... It, look, if a schmageggy like me can, can learn from that show, and yes, I did have a little help from Creek directly. It, anybody can. I didn't have the upbringing like... Jeffy's kids are having where they're they're all Boy Scouts. Our Cub Scout troop was disbanded for bad behavior. But that's a story for another day. Oh, we got to get into this discussion. I'm happy about football season coming up. I'm very happy about the uh, NFL coming back. I'm a big fan of watching it. Last year, I kind of was turned off by 
by the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. And on top of Colin Kaepernick, I was ticked off um, because the Chicago Bears were in yet another season where they stunk. And each weekend, all my Green Bay Packer fans who are friends would just destroy me. And so I I read the story today about what the NFL has done with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. And I think, wow, this is kind of interesting. Former Ohio State star now running uh, running back with the Dallas Cowboys is going to have to sit out six games. And uh, all all based on something that did not have a criminal component behind it. He was not charged with a crime. There were allegations of domestic abuse, but he has now been suspended. He put out a statement yesterday. I am both surprised and disappointed by the NFL's decision today, and I strongly disagree with the league's findings. I recognize the distraction and disruption that all of this has caused my family, friends, teammates, the Dallas Cowboys organization, as well as my fans, and for that I am sincerely sorry. I admit that I am far from perfect, but I plan to continue to work very hard on and off the field to mature and earn the great opportunity I have been given. That sounds pretty, pretty honest and contrite. It was liked 46,000 times on Twitter. It was forwarded 19,000 times. There are nearly 2,000 comments on this. But I want to know, and I, that's why I posted the vital question today, just now, that I, I'm curious about this. Where do you stand on this? And you don't have to be a Dallas Cowboys fan to understand what I'm talking about. You don't have to be a Chicago Bears fan to be tortured, although we are. So I asked the question, does the NFL have the right to suspend Mr. Elliott for something police did not charge him with? And I realized my grammar is horrible. Currently, 20, or 44% of you say, yes, absolutely they do. 19% of you say no. Almost 10% of you can't make up your minds. And 28% of you say what I think a, a giant chunk of the public will say. I hate the Cowboys meaning anything that keeps a talented player off the field is good for you. Kind of an interesting thought, but is there more to this story? Do you want to join the conversation? 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. I think this is an interesting one. We've seen different cases in the past where athletes have been charged with violating the code of conduct or team rules, league rules, and they have suffered suspensions. Now, things like drugs and criminal behavior, that's easy. If you're convicted of a crime, if you are found to, to have violated the drug policy of a, of a league or a team, that seems to be pretty easy. You can be suspended, you can be booted, you can break your contract. But in this case, where a guy was charged with something, and after the investigation, the league apparently found cause to do this because, you know, the money involved, they're not going to 
they're not going to do things without great energy or great proof, great evidence. They're not going to do things without researching it completely, investigating it thoroughly. So where do you stand? Does the league have the right? See, I tend to, I tend to look at this the way we look at the military. That it's, it's not society. It's a different situation. It's a private operation. The military is its own world. And therefore, the military has different rules than the rest of society. And I think professional sports are the same thing, especially professional team sports. If you are part of a team, you have an obligation to the team. If you are someone who is part of a team that's part of the league, you have an obligation to the league. So I would think that it is incumbent upon you when you sign your contract to fully research the rules of the league, the rules of the team, whatever has been set out to say, okay, you won the lottery. You're one of the few people who is talented enough, smart enough, healthy enough to be in the NFL. And the odds on, on going from high school star to college star to NFL player are just massive. You, you have a better chance of, of winning the Mega Millions or Powerball, which apparently somebody won the Mega Millions last night. Better chance of doing that than making it into the NFL and being a star. So when you finally get there and you sign that contract and you make yourself available to both make all that money and be held up as an example because let's face it you are anybody who says i'm not a role model no you are that's part of being in that league you're an elite athlete in a very elite and special opportunity so you have an obligation i believe the nfl and the cowboys have the right to suspend a player for violating that code of conduct, even though the police have not charged that person with a crime. They didn't do just some random investigation. Uh, the word is that they looked at a thousand, more than a thousand text messages. They interviewed dozens of witnesses. I believe the league has a right. Now, 23% of you say no. Love to hear from some of you. If you have time, if you're not Driving on the road today, if you, if you can get on the horn, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Even if you just want to trash the Cowboys, that's fine with me. I, as a matter of fact, I appreciate a good trashing of the Cowboys. Especially as a Bear fan who looks ahead and sees the season is probably going to be as bad this year as it was last year for us. We, we haven't got a defense yet, so it's just going to be score at will. I know, I'm off topic. But if you want to join the conversation on that, if not, we'll move on. You know my opinion. I think the league is well within its rights. I think Mr. Elliott realizes that. Otherwise, there would be a legal challenge. And uh, it's going to be an expensive problem for him. But he's also a very talented guy. Currently, 37% of you agree with me. 23% say no. 11% can't decide. And 29% of you are just happy for the opportunity to say, I hate the Cowboys. And with that, we'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
on the Blaze Radio Network. Your Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, we've, we talked about a lot of different topics today. I, I didn't get into the, the Google employee, James Damore, is it? Is that his name? Interesting that this guy wrote this 11-page statement questioning the company's policies and procedures, and he ends up being fired. He ends up being out of a job, but he also ends up probably getting another job. I think uh, probably ends up having a great book, and he may not need another job. <laughs> I'm just saying. So we'll we'll keep an eye on uh, Mr. Daymore. I know Glenn would like to talk to him and has obviously put out a... Uh, a statement hoping hoping to get him on his show. And I'd love to see that conversation. I will tell you, honestly, quite directly, I, I feel like the Blaze is a place where you can actually have a, a dialogue, a Socratic dialogue, an exchange of ideas and information with the people at the top and, and not worry about your, your position as long as you're doing your job. You're allowed to have different opinions. There are different opinions all over the place. Uh, and, and I've been here at the Blaze. I'm in my seventh year. I think I was employee number six, maybe employee number seven. But I understand that uh, not every company operates that way. I understand that there are cultures that would ostracize you. I would bet Facebook has some of the same problems. We spent uh, a few hours at the Facebook mothership when, uh, when Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg sat down with a bunch of people from the conservative world to say, we're not against you. Remember that when they freaked out because we all realized they were, they were rigging the system. They were tweaking their, their analytics to prevent conservative messages from being treated the same way as liberal messaging was on Facebook. And as we walked around that place, and, and before we actually went to Facebook's building, a few of us had lunch with some movers and shakers from Silicon Valley. A small group of us sat at a trendy restaurant just around the corner from Facebook and had, uh, I'm sure it was all gluten-free food. But uh, we had some trendy little offerings, and we were talking. And one of the things that came up from the group was that there, there's virtually no representation of conservatism in Silicon Valley. Zero. It's pretty much into, if it does exist, it exists in single-digit percentages. And they don't hide that, which is amazing. And this is one of the things that that Glenn has talked about for years and that eventually the mask will come off. The left will drop the radical pose to achieve the radical means, I believe was the expression. 
And I think we're starting to see that now. Here's something I thought was fascinating from uh, an interview with the fired Google employee talking about the bias inside the company. Yeah, so you can openly shame white people or all men, and we do this in our company-wide meetings. So, yeah, there's definitely a bias towards a certain uh, movements. Like We had a whole TGIF that was for the Black Lives Matter movement. So... Google, arguably one of the most powerful companies on the face of the earth, had a built-in bias that nobody really hid. Because let's face it, you're in a safe space when you're in Google. You can be as liberal, as progressive, as anti-white as you want to be. That statement is chilling. And I don't see why this guy would have any reason to say anything other than the truth. Here's Daymore's comment again. Yeah, so you can openly shame white people or all men, and we do this in our company-wide meetings. So, yeah, there's definitely a bias towards a certain uh, movements. Like We had a whole TGIF that was for the Black Lives Matter movement. We had a whole TGIF. That was for the Black Lives Matter movement. Does anyone feel when the one of the most powerful companies in the world decides that white males are the enemy? Does anyone feel threatened? I certainly do. I absolutely feel threatened. And I think I think if this had been the other way around and Obama were in office, there'd be DOJ investigations into the practices of this company. Why isn't it happening now? I want to know. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka Saturday morning. All new programming as we are here in the third hour of Pure Opelka. Getting ready as we do each, each week for the Jeff Fisher show, which follows this show. It's kind of the pre-show to the Jeff Fisher show. And I into... What you're going to see. I can't give away too many secrets today because Jeffy, Jeffy reportedly uh, frolicking in the building with one Doc Thompson. Now, what Doc Thompson is doing in the building on a Saturday, I have no idea. I, I can only believe it's it's either some sort of interior decorating of his office slash uh, study room or um, it, it's it's something something that needs to be investigated. A couple of vital questions that are currently on the block right now as we speak. About the North Korean situation, who pulls the trigger first? 
Uh, there are just three hours left on this one, and currently 9% of you think we do. 31% think North Korea does. And this is what encourages me. 52% of you think neither. It de-escalates. So a majority of us who are polled on this Twitter poll believe that the North Korean situation de-escalates. And based on what we're seeing in terms of our, our military footing, as they say, I don't think we are preparing to do anything or we are expecting anything rash. And those, those are just uh, my opinions based on wh what we're not seeing happen. You know, you're not seeing the American uh, State Department telling everybody to get the hell out of Guam. If that happened, or if, or if we told our people in South Korea, you know, it would be a good time to come home, then I would say we're probably concerned. We're also not seeing any more reports of movements of heavy military equipment on the North Korean side of things. So that lets me know that maybe some of the Trump rhetoric is, uh, is hitting home with Kim Jong-un. So that's that's my comforting thought for this morning. Now, the discomforting, the uncomfortable thoughts this morning are about Charlottesville, where we had a bunch of white nationalists acting like idiots last night. And now there's going to be this big march or rally today by people who want to divide us more. And I recognize your right to march and complain, but I don't recognize your right to try and get this country to tear apart at the seams. If you're not helping, you are hurting. And that's kind of what this feels like. So to be standing around a statue of Thomas Jefferson chanting White Lives Matter with a bunch of torches, uh, not helping. You're inflaming. So if you're a part of that, uh, shame on you. Seriously. Jack wagons. Um, also, I did post a vital question at the top of this hour, and uh, I think everybody seems to be in agreement on this. It's about the suspension of Ezekiel Elliott for something there has been no criminal charge levied against him. There has been uh, innuendo and rumor and stories, and so Elliott's suspension by the league, by the team, uh, gets a 46% uh, yes, it's okay for the league to do that. Yes, you agree. And I agree. It's a private business. You should be able to do it. 25% of you say, no, they can't do that. 8% of you cannot decide. And a full 23% of you, and I think there might actually be more to that, a full 23% of you just hate the Cowboys. And I can I can be okay with that. I can absolutely be okay with the fact that you hate the Cowboys because as somebody who is a Chicago Bears fan forever and ever and ever, who had to endure living in Texas during the years when the Cowboys could walk on water without getting their cuffs wet, uh, I'm okay with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of tilting of the scales against <laughs> The da is that wrong of me to be that upset about the Dallas Cowboys? Some people say so. Look, the, the Bears are going to stink this year. 
and I know I'm just going to have to deal with it. All right. Uh, I have another moral dilemma to throw your way. Another uh, another story. But before I get to that, um, Rich in White Plains wants to discuss the president's domestic policy. Good morning, Rich. Um, were we talking about the president's domestic policy this morning? Was there something I missed? Actually, actually, Mike. Good morning. And um, I, you know, I was going to talk about that, but you know, you just said something that um, I, you know, I, I just can't believe, and I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, uh, you must be confused. The, the, the liberal left wants to continue their agenda of dismantling our history by tearing down the statues of Jefferson Davis and anybody who wants to. Um, uh, peacefully protest that are are wrong or or in your words jack wagons am i hearing that correctly no i wasn't talking about a peaceful protest there were violent uh acts last night well, well and if you're if you're cha- well you, rich you know, if you're I'm, chanting I'm sorry, Mike, white please. lives matter you're you're wrong if you're chanting white lives matter and holding torches and you're in the south you're a jack wagon well, well, well. Then let's let's expect. How do you feel about people who I personally I fly the con, the uh, Confederate battle flag at my house along with the American flag. How do you feel about people who w- want to peace, peacefully protest um, uh, things like that, flying the the, the uh, Confederate battle flag and uh, uh, and letting the liberal left tear down statues of Jefferson Davis? Well, uh, you- well, first of all, why do you fly the Confederate battle flag? It's my protest flag. I flew the flag the day Nikki Haley made that useless gesture of taking down the flag um, at the at the South Carolina Capitol, which was just another one of um, another useless gesture. You know, you referenced rhetoric from from Trump. That's this country is so full of rhetoric. Okay, we don't do anything anymore. Everything is a parade, a gesture, uh, a symbolic. Uh, whatever, and and what she did had absolutely no effect on. It didn't save one single black life. Okay. No, no, now hypothetical situations only get hypothetical answers. So you've just brought up a hypothetical situation or a a a statement that you made that says she didn't save one black life. Now, how do you come about that answer? Uh, that conclusion. Well. Show me, show me how she did. No, you can't. You, but see, you have to show me how she didn't. How do, you, how do you say that? Maybe she stopped a riot from breaking out. Maybe she prevented an argument. And by the way, the protesters last night were at the base of a statue of Thomas Jefferson, not Jefferson Davis. It's a big difference, isn't it? To stand around a statue of Thomas Jefferson chanting White Lives Matter is a little incendiary. Well, they want to tear down a statue of Thomas Jefferson? Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. This is where this this group gathered. This group of white nationalists, white supremacists carrying torches through the University of, of Virginia encircling the statue of Thomas Jefferson, the founder of that esteemed university, chanting, White Lives Matter, you will not replace us. 
Jews will not replace us. You want to tell me these people aren't jack wagons? Go why ahead, they, join them, Rich. Why are they protesting? Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that message is... No, Rich. No, you stop. Put them on hold. You don't get to make... You don't get to talk over me. If you're going to call up and call me out for telling a, that a bunch of people who are standing around Thomas Jefferson's statue chanting, white lives matter, Jews will not replace us, you will not replace us. I call them jack wagons. I wish I were on satellite radio so I could call them much worse. That's not right. That's absolutely not right. And I'm, I'm sorry uh, if, if you want to fly the Confederate flag out in, in your yard in New York. I, it's, it's your right to be as stupid as you want to be. But you're only doing it to try and cause trouble. And I don't think that's how we have positive solutions. I happen to think what Nikki Haley did. I happen to believe what Nikki Haley did in, in South Carolina was a reasonable compromise. She didn't destroy it. She moved the flag. Now, everybody's got an opinion on this. That happens to be mine. I, I don't believe we ought to be shoving the Confederate battle flag in the face of people who don't like it. It's not gracious. And it's not weak to move it and put it into a historic place where people can say, we're not erasing history, we are maintaining history and protecting history. I'm looking at the pictures from the Virginia protests. I'm looking at pictures. There actually are people wearing those idiotic white robes and the pointy white hats. This kind of stupidity still exists in the world today. And I'm not going to be endorsing it or allowing anyone to endorse it on this show. White lives matter. You will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. Several hundred people chanting that last night. Stop it. Those are, in fact, jack wagons and much worse. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are almost out of here, and there's so many things I did not get to today. Uh, I want to make sure I get everybody in I can. Charlie in Oklahoma, quick comment on uh, the Elliott situation with the Cowboys in football. Welcome to the show, sir. Uh, good morning there, Michael. We're just driving on down here to Houston. Beautiful out here. Wish you could see it. I know we're short for time, so I'll be I'll be real quick. And thank you. My, uh, my wife is sitting here next to me. She'll be here. It's it's her. Uh, we're um just a, a real quick comment, sir. Um, I'm actually even though I'm I mean, living in Oklahoma, I'm actually from Baltimore. I used to be a, the world's biggest Ravens fan, and. Uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say about the NFL, unfortunately, and this goes back to really kind of the, the Ray Rice incident, if you look at uh, what happened with him with uh, the horrible domestic abuse assault 
and they were initially going to threaten with just a couple games suspension. And then, of course, you know, the, the tape came out, and then now no one will touch it with a 35-foot uh, pole. Um, as far as what the league has the right to do to this individual, I, I first admit I don't know all the details of it. The, the first time of me learning of it is honestly listening to you, good sir. Um, if the league has some kind of a morality clause or something in, it in their in their private contract, then yes, I would say they absolutely have the right to suspend this guy. Um, but if you look at the way the NFL has gone recently in the last couple of years with all this awareness of uh, domestic violence, trying to cater to women, uh, and one reason why I don't watch, uh, I've sworn up and down, I'm done with the NFL for a while, if you look at the commercials for the most recent Super Bowl, just how politically correct and SJW approved so many of them were, they have gone, they are outright catering to the other side. So I have, it, it does not frankly surprise me in the slightest, even though there was no conviction or even a formal charge, that they're being proactive on this guy, especially given the way they, pardon me using the expression, that fumbled the football with Ray Rice. I see what you did there. I see what you did there, Charlie. And what's your wife's first name? Christina. Hi, Christina and Charlie. And I'm about out of time, but I... A, I appreciate you for being there. Drive safely. I miss Texas like a like a front tooth. And if you're if you're going down from Austin and heading over to Houston via that route, cut off through Round Top and stop by and see our friends the Junk Gypsies who are there in uh, the Round Top area. And it's a beautiful ride through that part of the country. I miss it. But you bring up great points about it. I'm. Uh, I'm still with the NFL only because I hold out eternal hope that the Bears might somehow come back and build a team again in my lifetime, but I don't know. I have to get out of here today. I appreciate all of you for joining us. Jeff Fisher is waiting in the wings. Monday at noon, when we get back, we're going to talk about everything that happened in the news, plus the grandmother who had her granddaughter visit for a few weeks in the summer as she has done from years and years, but she sent back an invoice this year, an invoice for hanging out with grandma. Plus the 16 year old who's running for governor in a state in flyover country. Uh, yeah, he's a Democrat, but he just might have a chance to win. I know it sounds crazy, but yet it's true. We've got a lot to cover. Go and join me on Twitter at StuntBrain and participate in the polls. Take care of uh, business this weekend. Take care of your family, your friends. Don't sweat too much about North Korea. I think uh, we're going to defuse it. Jeff Fisher, Waiting in the Wings, is next. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.